We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. They call you the grill master. You've seared the thickest porterhouse in the butcher shop. And as you lift that first forkful to your mouth, you savor the moment. To get amazing offers during the Mercedes-Benz summer event. Like the 2019 C-Class sedan and GLC SUV. The perfect recipes of driving performance. Plus, you can enjoy six months of Sirius XM All Access included. The Mercedes-Benz summer event. Now serving limited time offers on a select lineup of vehicles. Offers end September 3rd. Mercedes-Benz. The best or nothing. Hello everyone, welcome back to Rotoviz Overtime on Rotoviz Radio, brought to you by the FFPC. My name's Colin Kelly, you can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. I'm joined as always by my co-host, the co-owner of Rotoviz Radio, Mr. Sean Siegel. Sean, two weeks since our last edition means we're two weeks closer to the NFL draft, and on today's edition, we're going to be looking quite a bit at those upcoming rookie wide receivers, among a couple of other things where we look at the San Francisco 49ers running backs, and then we finish up with a wide receiver that we've both liked over the last kind of year to two years and we're going to see if we think that he could have big things in his future for 2019 so an action-packed show but since we last talked Sean there's been quite a bit of craziness going on around the NFL with the Packers story coming out with uh, Aaron Rodgers and Mike McCarthy for Packers fans out there probably not too much of it being a surprise from uh, people looking behind the scenes at it but uh, obviously it hit the mainstream media quite hard the other thing that's going around is obviously uh, Antonio Brown and uh what he thinks of his time uh, with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Is there anything crazy going on in the life of uh, Sean Siegel over the last two weeks, or uh, are you letting uh, the Packers and uh, Antonio Bryan take care of the craziness? No, yes, I'm, I'm letting those guys take care of it, just uh, enjoying the beautiful 
desert weather as we get ready to uh, go into what I'm sure will be a blistering summer. So trying to take the the last chance to to get outside, have the windows open a little bit before it hits uh, 105, 110, 115. Uh, yeah, so just enjoying what is a beautiful world out there. You mentioned the Green Bay Packers. Obviously, this is sort of your adopted team from across the pond. One of the things I thought was kind of interesting about the that report, sort of from a football perspective, is you have this uh, – you have the report suggesting that these young receivers – are being asked to run different routes by their head coach and their quarterback for a specific play. And you can imagine how difficult that would be. So changing up, you have a new head coach, you have a new offense, obviously trying to emulate a little bit of what the Rams do, which has been successful there, but won't necessarily be successful everywhere. On the other hand, if you have Aaron Rodgers pulling the trigger, maybe it can be more successful. You look back at a couple of those rookie wide receivers, knowing what we know now and some of the difficulties, not just being a rookie receiver in the NFL, but this difficulty with even knowing you know, who you should believe or who you should trust in terms of running a route. Does that make you any more excited for uh, guys like Equinemius St. Brown or Marquez Valdez-Scantling? Well, I think if you look at uh, one of the things I took away from it was that Rodgers didn't seem to trust any of the rookie wide receivers but the one that he did seem to have a little bit of a rapport with kind of in the mid to the late stage of the season was uh, Valdez Scantling so I'm interested to see how that goes but I do think there's just it it was a broken relationship and it needed to be changed and obviously we all know how good uh, Aaron Rodgers is at playing quarterback but I would certainly hope that he is willing as well to adapt a little bit because I think you know you can't you can't just be changing plays that the, the the offensive coordinator or the head coach is calling in it, it just leads to you know in, in any job situation if management is like if there's a disconnect there with the employees or with the owner it all just festers and becomes a kind of toxic environment and i think that's what happened over the last kind of two to three years and you know being a packers fan you know listening to rogers on a weekly basis talking listening to mccarthy talking the way they kind of tried to avoid talking about certain situations it didn't seem like uh you know, this wasn't a surprise to me when the story came out. So I'm really hoping that the change in head coach can lead to a change of perspective, a change in attitude. And, you know, we all know how good of a player he is, as I mentioned. And now, obviously, we need to see that he's willing to adapt and to, to coach and obviously to, to give the, the new head coach and the new staff time to have that opportunity to, to develop uh, you know the play calls and to have things go he can't just continue his way of changing things up uh, as he has over the last two or three years and we have heard the great stories you know the Hail Marys where it's kind of ad-lib plays and it's worked out perfect or the play uh, the, that they had in the playoffs to Jared Cook um, to, to set up that game one in field goal against the Cowboys but those are plays that Rogers, you know audible or choose chose on his own kind of intuition but there are things as well that if you're doing that on a, a weekly basis uh, it's not going to work out if, if it's a once-off it can lead to a positive result but you need to have that you know cohesive game plan uh, and to be all working off the same page for things to work out so as a Packers fan I'm really hoping that um, we see a little bit of a adaptation from Rodgers this year and hopefully uh, the new coaching staff that are in place will challenge him but the player uh, out of the, the ones that you kind of mentioned the younger players uh, Valdez Scantling was somebody who 
I was quite impressed with. And I thought if you look at some of the plays that uh, St. Brown made at certain points um, on third down, he had some very impressive catches, but obviously consistency wasn't there throughout the season. So th- this is a season where they're going to have to, to step up if the Packers are going to do anything in terms of that division and, and in terms of the playoffs. So uh, I'm excited certainly for this season. The other thing, Sean, you mentioned there was the temperature over with you. And I'm just looking out my window today, probably one of the, the top five days of the year so far looking out the window the sun is shining and i just done a quick conversion over to uh fahrenheit from celsius and uh it's around 50 degrees celsius here today so i, I do envy uh the, the nice warm weather that you're getting uh, over with yourself yeah it, it, it's been beautiful here and i'll we'll probably have another week of that before uh you can't go outside for six months so <laughs> we'll, we'll be back to to wishing we were someplace else shortly so let's jump into the second quarter to get on to the first main topic of today's show. And we're looking at a piece that Monty Fan had up on the website over the last uh, week or so. And I always uh, love to jump into Monty's work because in terms of, uh, you know, high stakes players or players, you know, just to get consistently good knowledge and information from Monty is definitely up there. And he talked about free agency, some of the trades that went down and then looking at uh, the FFPC best ball ADP and what has kind of changed as the, the dust has started to settle on some of those now there's quite a few interesting ones up there and we've kind of talked about those over the last couple of weeks on the show in general but one that I wanted to dive into a little bit more and talk about it uh, was how the backfield is shaking out for the San Francisco 49ers now uh, I don't know hopefully some of the listeners have heard it I talked last week as we previewed the NFC West I did a, a divisional preview for the NFL draft with Grant Cohen uh, the beat writer for the 49ers and we did talk about this uh, as one of the main topics of conversation I found it interesting and some of his takes on it but what I'm going to do Sean is I'm going to get your kind of thoughts and then I'm going to bounce it back but if you look at how things have shaken up over the last couple of weeks we have a situation where uh, Jarek McKinnon obviously was uh, the number one running back projected on this roster going around the top kind of 50 picks just right on the border uh, and then obviously he's dropped down roughly about 25 uh, spots over the last couple of weeks Um, what's your thoughts overall as we've seen Tevin Coleman come in and he hasn't actually you know taking the same spot he's actually not that much ahead of mckinnon in terms of average draft position but what's your what's your thoughts there and then of course uh my man matt breeder uh he's he's dropped down in adp as well but i think he's somebody that i'm going to be interested to own when i give my analysis at the end but what's your thoughts on the the 49ers backfield any of these guys piquing your interest early in draft season right you look at the ffpc adp here and uh, all three guys are falling a little bit, although Coleman has stayed more or less steady where uh, this situation back with the 49ers, back with Kyle Shanahan, not back with the 49ers, but back with the coach. I think a lot of people are looking forward to that and think that he can do some of the similar things that he did with Shanahan in Atlanta, where that was a, a very good fit, a better fit than what he had the last couple of years with the offensive coordinators there, where obviously the other two runners have seen their ADPs fall since now there's an extra player there in terms of competition. It is surprising to see Brita fall from, you know, the 80 range to about 150 because he's probably the most established early down back within that group. He's run with the 49ers recently. He looked good last season and McKinnon number one coming off of an injury and number two never really has established himself quite to the level that we've seen with those other two guys. So even though he was their big free agent signing a year ago, and even though the 49ers have said, look, we weren't really uh, 
needing a running back. Coleman was just, you know, so good and so cheap that we decided to add him in. It's not necessarily a commentary on McKinnon. The fact that you have Brita as the main guy last year, the fact that Coleman is the newest person into this group, McKinnon really looks like the guy who should be under a little bit more pressure. Uh, but we, you know, we've had some interesting comments from the coach Shanahan mentioning that Coleman might be the the goal line back as someone who is a little bit bigger than than people realize. That, that's an interesting comment because I think the one real concern that uh, you know just even your casual viewer has is that Coleman does not appear to be a good pounder. He doesn't appear to be a great up the gut kind of guy. You know, if he were, he would be in competition to be a top five running back in the NFL because he brings everything else to the table. He's a fantastic open field runner. He's got, you know, he's got unbelievable long speed. We've seen him, you know, break long runs consistently when he can get through that first level. And then he's a plus receiving back. So the idea that the goal line carries would, would fall to him, uh, someone interesting, maybe difficult to believe. So, you know, in terms of, of talking with Grant and, and getting his insight, what did he think we should expect from this running back group so what what i found very interesting was the way he talked about the situation with jerick mckinnon and i touched on it on our last edition where jimmy garoppolo had dropped so far in terms of his adp from this time last year well jerick mckinnon was going um from what i remember off the top of my head kind of mid to mid to late second round um at this kind of stage or into the early draft season prior to his injury um, so it was a it was a you know a, a big investment in terms of what they did. If you look at Coleman's investment, uh, it's two years with ten million dollars um, over it, so it's basically five million dollars a year. You know, it's not huge money that they've invested in him. As you've mentioned, it's been that the value's been so good. Now, the thing that I took away talking to Grant was the concern that basically they've taken in Tevin Coleman because the value's there. They have Matt Breeder who's been able to show that he can take that workload. And the next part of it then was with Jarek McKinnon. Maybe they aren't just 100% certain that he can come back in and be that effective running back. Obviously, they paid him, but they had a huge amount of cap space and maybe it will be a bad investment um, in terms of that contract. But if you look at you know somebody like... Um, somebody like mckinnon who had 159 150 rushes in his last two seasons in minnesota was his two best seasons but obviously he's never shown to be that full workhorse and if you look then at the same sort of situation with uh coleman 156 and 167 rushes over the last two seasons and then if you look at matt breeder he's 105 and 153 so they, they've none of them have had that full-time workload at any stage but Matt Breida being the third of those off the board in terms of drafts is the one that I find interesting and the, the reason for that is he now has two years built into this Kyle Shanahan offense he has kind of established himself uh, with with the playbook and obviously Coleman has that advantage as well but I think looking at them and you know Monty makes this point in it he says at the end of it his kind of analysis is to, to treat them a little bit like the Patriots running backs and just pick whoever the cheapest option is come draft day and and I kind of agree with that but the one that I would like to own based on their uh you know my projections on them and based on what they've done um over the last kind of two or three years in the league would be Matt Breida because you know we, we've all seen the metrics of Jarek McKinnon what we expect him to do but we've never actually seen it being able to be consistently done on a, a regular basis you know you'll remember back to Matt, Matt Asiata taking all the goal line work from him in Minnesota the year Peterson was out injured we all thought that was gonna be his big breakout year Tevin Coleman you mentioned as well uh you know in terms of his goal line work well we all seen last season when we thought that Coleman would have a big season with uh 
Devontae Freemanite. It was actually Ito Smith who got the majority of the work inside the 10-yard line. So concerns for both of them in terms of their short yardage. And I think that there's a, a possibility that come the end of the year again, we do see Breida being, being the lead running back in this situation. But I, I do think it's a, a split of a committee. And in that case, I'm going for the one that I think is the best value. And, and at this present moment, I, I think that is Matt Breida. And I think it'll continue to be that way. I think he's going to be the forgotten man. But uh, that's definitely the way I'm, I'm going. If I was picking between uh, Coleman and McKinnon, I would be going with Tevin Coleman. But I, I'm just going to sit back and uh, I'll take I'll take my British shares and see how it shakes out. Um, is that the way you're looking at it? Or are you... Are you looking at it a different way? And the the comment I made in terms of McKinnon, do you think you know coming back from an injury? I always say that people say basically like it's like playing Madden or playing a computer game. Yeah, he's going to be back. He's going to be okay. But at the end of at the end of it all, he's had a, a serious injury that not every single player will come back and be hundred percent healthy. So you know, I, I think there's a a situation that it, he might not make it back to hundred percent health, and the other two then become better values again. What's what's your thoughts overall on that? Yeah, it, it's interesting. Uh, Breida definitely is a value, certainly in best ball formats. Uh, I mean, it's it's a no-brainer. If you're looking at more from a redraft perspective, it becomes tricky because you don't necessarily want to go in relying on someone who you've got to make this difficult choice every week. That said, if either of the other two guys went down and you get back to just a two-person committee, then I think you know both players within that committee can score the points. We look at Tevin Coleman, he is slightly more expensive than McKinnon, which is interesting. I think that is justified. So much of the rhetoric around him, and certainly you know what happened to him in free agency, suggests that he had a terrible season last year, when in fact that is not the case. He was at 13.7 fantasy points over expected as a rusher. He was at 19.1 over expected as a receiver. And you can look at it and say, well, so much of that happened on a handful of big plays, but those big plays do count. And that's one of the reasons why he is, is a valuable player and will be more valuable back in this kind of offense where they open him up for a lot more big plays. That was the thing we wanted to see McKinnon with, right? Because McKinnon's numbers have always been somewhat poor. You know, his last season there with the Vikings, he was below expectation overall combined rushing and receiving. But you think, okay, we get this fantastic athlete into a real offense or a competent NFL offense, and suddenly we really see him explode. I think a lot of that excitement has to be diminished at this point because one of the things with McKinnon is you're always thinking, well, he's got these athletic traits that are pretty unusual and you put him in a backfield with uh, that's functional but has other backs who don't have that ability and suddenly he's going to really stand out. Well, Tevin Cole and Matt Breida, those two guys are also extremely athletic, right? So you're talking about probably the most athletic, not the best, but the most athletic backfield in the NFL, McKinnon's not going to stand out in that group as an athlete, so it really will depend on him as a rusher. And he now is behind, as you mentioned, since Coleman and Breida have so much more experience uh, within that system actually on the field. Now, hopefully, McKinnon uh, you know, knows the offense really well, is ready to hit the ground running. But yeah, even where he is now, I think represents a risk. Those other two guys would be my targets. Once again, today's show is brought to you by the FFPC. Let me tell you a little bit about them. They are the home of season-long high-stakes fantasy football. If you're a diehard who loves to draft, the FFPC best ball leagues are already in full swing for the 2019 season with drafts starting at just $35, all the way up to $1,250 if you're interested in some of the high-stakes 
both slow and live leagues are filling and launching daily uh, and if you are a fan of the dynasty format over the last few years the ffpc has become the go-to destination for seriously dynasty players they now have over 300 active dynasty leagues starting at just 77 dollars and even have a five thousand dollar entry dynasty league and the best part is not a single dynasty league has folded in nine years registrations for brand new startup dynasty leagues have opened and new leagues are forming now limited orphan teams are also available at discounted pricing don't miss out on the ffpc experience go to myffpc.com and register now that's myffpc.com the home of high the home of season long high stakes fantasy football and Colm, if you are getting ready to play some of these fantastic FFPC leagues, I encourage listeners to get on the site and check out some of the, the great tools. We've mentioned a couple of times that we have Mike Beer's uh, best ball tools, and he's got some really unique um, apps in terms of the FFPC format. Obviously, we've been talking about the ADP, and there's a variety of things you can do with that. You can track some of your individual teams. You can also get in there and look at the roster construction explorer and find out what has worked in the past. And not just that, we have a couple of guys on the site in Monty who we were just talking about and John Lipinski who have won big FFPC best ball contests. And they have gone in and worked with the RCE to bring their experience and then the the data, the evidence from this app that shows you how to win these leagues. So, you know, get on there, play some FFPC and check out the article by those guys. They will teach you how to to win those leagues. They have experience in them. They've won them in the past. And, you know, especially when you can go in there and, and look at the history and what has been successful, it'll definitely put you on the road to not only having a lot of fun, but, but winning these leagues. This episode is brought to you by Decoy Wines of Sonoma, California. As you gather with family and friends this summer, experience the best of wine country with Decoy by Duckhorn. Winemaker Tyson Wolf spends every vintage focused on harvesting grapes and crafting wines from the finest vineyards. Whether it's our flagship Cabernet or crisp and refreshing Rosé, Decoy has just the wine for your discerning taste. Ask for us at your local wine shop or visit decoywines.com slash celebrate to locate our wines near you. Whether you're firing up the grill, hosting an alfresco get-together, or enjoying the warm summer nights, let Decoy by Duckhorn elevate your occasion. It's the sale you've been waiting for. Now through Monday, get a huge 50% off the styles you need now with 50% off all jeans, 50% off all dresses, and 50% off all tees. That's right, 50% off. Jeans start at 15 bucks for adults, 10 bucks for kids. Want fashion in a flash? Buy online and pick up in-store for free. Hurry, the sale ends Monday at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 829 to 92 excludes in-store clearance, jumpsuits, rompers, bubbles, active license, and men's package tees. So over the next two parts of the show, in the next two quarters, we're going to be talking a little bit about the rookies and particularly the wide receivers heading into the NFL draft. We'll be looking a little bit through the rookie scouting index and, of course, as well, the box score scout. So the first article we're going to look at is one that Sean has done himself up on the site, looking at some of the wide receivers and some of the top comps for uh, in terms of NFL current players or former players based on what we expect from these rookies sean is there anyone that really stood out obviously the the major talk um at the moment is you know D, dk metcalf and you know how his athletic standpoint matches up with uh, what we're expecting him to do in terms of on-field production and that's he he's the one garnering a lot of the attention but you've kind of broken it down to some of the other guys but i, I found the metcalf one really interesting because it kind of fitted exactly into where 
I kind of was expecting him to kind of fall into this category. And sometimes I, I say this on the show, sometimes when you have that almost preconceived notion, you kind of think it's great when it comes to reality. But I think sometimes it's better when it's the opposite way where you think something and the data shows you something different. But in terms of the, the comps for him, we have players like Brashid Perryman, Laquan Treadwell and Cody Lattimore. And um, obviously when we're looking at those guys or even Chris Connolly, it's kind of we're looking at those freak athletes that you know test well but haven't led to NFL production. Is your thoughts, obviously, after after this piece, is your thoughts on Metcalf kind of that, that you expect him to, to be that freak talent in terms of his athletic sta- standpoint, but maybe he leads to be a bit more like these guys who have failed then to, to make it all happen on the NFL field? It's so tricky with Metcalf because I think we all want to believe in, in that kind of player. We all want the next Julio Jones. Julio hopefully will play for many more years yet, but is, is starting to get up there in age and, and really to have a successor, this athletic freak who's just completely uncoverable. I mean, that would be a lot of fun. We, we've gone through a number of classes of receivers now who, you know, haven't exactly been loaded. Certainly there have been some guys who jumped up who maybe were not expected to be quite what they are. Some people like Juju Smith-Schuster, like Michael Thomas. So, I mean, those guys are real stars. It's not like we've been completely without some uh, replacement uh, of the wide receiver talent, but you know, this class really has that potential and, and we want to believe in those guys. So the box score scout allows us to combine some of the things from the combine explorer with some uh, production metrics that we know to have, uh, some predictive element in terms of going to NFL. And then the tool also allows you to experiment with draft position. So when I created these comps, I put Metcalf in there at 15. And, and like you mentioned, when we put the production in with the athleticism and look at some of these historical players, you know, we do find guys like Conley and Perryman and Moncrief and certainly Moncrief, you know, we've talked about on the show a number of times, people are, are still hopeful that he can finally make it this season. But, you know, this this isn't the group that you want to see. And the reason it's not the group is because that production has been lacking. And, uh, you know, I think a lot of people believe Metcalf was turning the corner this past season, but then the injury kept us from being able to see if that was really the case. We've had some partial seasons with guys in the past, like Devontae Parker, which really sort of skewed the expectation, got him drafted earlier perhaps than was justified. And, you know, that's another name that's a little bit of a, of a red flag there. Now, anytime you're dealing with someone as athletic as Metcalf, the comps are going to always be a little bit tricky because almost no one really fits. So you're thinking, well, his production wasn't there, but the size speed is still just so outlandish that NFL players are going to have a hard time covering him. Maybe the, the most similar player would be a Brashad Perryman, someone who did run in the four twos and is a fairly big guy. You know, uh, Perryman, hopefully starting to get his career together, resurrected it a little bit last year with the Browns, but certainly his athleticism hasn't made him the star and he's a guy who was drafted in the first round based on that so you know we might discount like a chris conley drafted a little bit later uh moncrief himself was drafted you know far far after where metcalf went but you know you see someone like a perryman drafted early had the opportunities now again if, if perryman doesn't have that rookie year injury that really sort of derailed his entire career and we saw that with kevin white as well so you know they're are some mitigating circumstances and so you know i definitely don't think the people should be 
ignoring Metcalf, moving him, you know, down outside the top five on their board. But there are some red flags and there are some interesting guys that we're about to get to here in a moment. Yeah, and I think I think there's just that little bit. You know, you you can go two ways with it. You can uh, push him to the moon in terms of your expectations, or you can just put that little bit of caution. And like I think your kind of origin, I would just put a little bit of caution on the DK Metcalf. And you know, it could be a case where it comes out, he comes into the NFL, he just tears it up from the start. And you know, we're talking about like you mentioned the next Julio Jones or the you know the next Calvin Johnson in terms of you know ridiculously good NFL players. But like you mentioned, when you look at some of the other players, then after that, like uh, you know, and Keel harry uh kelvin Harmon, and aj brown some guys like that I, you know and some of them they kind of you you alluded to this in the article they kind of almost are comparable to each other based on their you know their, their size speed and athletic profile but they are matched much more to players who would be in kind of the frame that i would be trying to target and we have talked about that style of player on the show uh, quite a lot over the last year you know the michael thomas juju smith schuster um, you know even a jarvis landry uh, those kind of players they're comping with it a little bit better is that way and, and in my opinion that's why i would prefer to have that type of wide receiver in terms of what i expect going into the nfl are those the guys that you know have you excited heading into this draft which you know i know we'll talk about it a little bit more when we get to dave but uh, and his article about the wide receivers but th- there's quite a bit of excitement for me in terms of this wide receiver class they are they are and you know mentioned that some of those guys really comp pretty strongly to each other uh, especially for harry and brown those guys will show up on each other's uh, comp list almost regardless of the way that you do it looking at some of the the very top comps for these guys using the, the bss we find for harry the top couple guys alshon jeffrey and alan robinson certainly can't go wrong there for kelvin Harmon, we have michael thomas juju smith schuster and then perhaps you know a little bit of caution with cody latimer also you know really uh, being a fairly strong comp there as well so uh, one of the things with michael thomas and juju smith schuster they were drafted slightly later you know not that top 10 pick because there were some mild red flags obviously they've hit the top of the range of their expected outcomes so that's always something to keep in mind but anytime you see michael thomas and and juju smith schuster uh, in, in the same conversation that's that's something to get extremely excited about and then for aj brown again we have some of those similar guys in terms of Moncrief, Thomas, and Smith-Schuster. So again, you've got kind of a red flag guy again in there with with Thomas and Smith-Schuster. Laquan Treadmill, Laquan Treadwell shows up a little bit in there too. So it's not something where you want to just go out and trade an established star veteran for Brown, but he would be someone else in that group that we're targeting. Looking at those comps, looking at those players, anything else stand out for you? looking at it it's just the kind of point you made is obviously we can look at the players when we do a a, a scouting index like this and say look at here's uh he matches up well with uh, michael thomas matches up well with juju smith schuster and then just only take that like you know aj brown also matches up with our darius stewart uh you know if you want to pick through the the ones that you're going to worry about and also as you mentioned cody latimer and uh while i wasn't big on on stewart coming out of college latimer was somebody who uh especially with this time when peyton manning was you know we always talked about well i did anyway the opportunity if he just happened to get that opportunity and could put it together and it obviously didn't work and he's kind of moved around the league since that so there is all these players who you can't have these thoughts coming out of college and then they can come in and like juju smith schuster was somebody coming you know pretty much a year or two before he came out of college the hopes maybe were a little bit higher than they were actually the year that he did come into the nfl draft and then obviously 
we've seen this development in this first two years in the league so some of these things they're, they're very very good guiding points um, but you have to also take in those reference points to the other players that they mentioned but I, I really think that you know when it comes if I'm in a position uh, come my dynasty drafts to have a, a potential to you know get a, a DJ Metcalf on my roster I think I'll be looking to potentially sell that pick and see what I can get if I could move back a couple of spots and then pick up one of the other kind of three to four guys that we mentioned because I do like their profile in terms of I think you're going to get a a receiver that has you know out of those four guys I would say probably 50 50 shots in terms of NFL production whereas I think with somebody like Metcalf you could end up having uh, the wide receiver you know a top a top uh, 12 wide receiver in the league in terms of fantasy production but you could also end up with somebody like we've seen with you know uh, a Kevin White with a Brishad Perryman where after three years it could be pretty much uh, a busted draft pick so it's, it's it's a very tough one to call in terms of Metcalf's overall outcome I think the other guys are, are potentially uh, the safer options in terms of where you spend those picks when it comes to dynasty obviously in redraft it's a, it's a different shakeup, and it'll obviously depend a little bit on the landing spots but i i'm very excited to see where these players end up because th- there is um, a potential uh, to have you know one of the best wide receiver classes over the last kind of four to five years um here in 2019 so exciting times and i guess we'll we'll jump into it a little bit more and we'll get into the fourth quarter so Sean, uh, I mentioned the second piece here, and uh, Dave Cabin, uh, who's always we kind of talk about him a lot in the show. He, he did tweet out a couple of weeks ago, uh, might have been after the last edition of the show, that uh, he he doesn't miss an episode and he loves listening to the show. And I tw- I tweeted back that I, I thought it was down to the fact that we always uh, give him credit for all the great work he does on the site. But I think uh, any show that we can mention Dave's work is going to be going to be good because it's always uh, fascinating content. But Dave has kind of looked at the the road of his scouting index as well, looking as he's developed it throughout the off season, looking at the players and how things are changing up. But he has mentioned about this class uh, in terms of, as I mentioned, your your wide receiver core for future years could really depend on uh, the success of this class. So was there anything in Dave's piece as he broke down all the positions? But then obviously we were going to look at his section on the wide receivers to bring it in line with today's show. Was there anything that really stood out for you? Um, that you find fascinating? Well, it's always great to see where the scouts have these guys because that gives us a little bit of a feel of what the draft position might be. Obviously, plenty of people are are making Debbie trades right now. Perhaps you're getting ready uh, for a rookie draft that uh, happens before the NFL draft, which is it was always fun. I've been talking a little bit the last couple of days uh, with Ben Gretsch, obviously former Rotoviz writer and, and one of the early drafts uh, that he's doing. And, and that's been fun to hear where guys are going uh, prior to the actual NFL draft. So we jump in here, we look at the RSI, the scouting index, and we see number one is Metcalf, his average rank is one so there is no disagreement among the sites that we're pulling in in terms of where he should fit and and that's an important point that's one of the reasons why i gave him that high slot in the the box score scout experiment there harry comes in at number two brown at three and marquise brown at four but they come in almost in the exact same spot the average rank for those guys is four and so we can see that that they're in a virtual dead heat, we dropped down Hakeem Butler at five, Kelvin Harmon at six, uh, Arcega Whiteside at seven, Debo Samuel eight, uh, Paris Campbell, who we'll talk about in a second, at nine, Ridley 10, Isabella 11, and Emmanuel Hall at 12. Um, 
Jumping into those guys, Dave also mentions that he would take Harry and Brown ahead of Metcalf, but the, the top three are hard to, to argue with. Now, someone we haven't discussed, but Dave gets into a little bit here and you know really speaks to the depth of this class and the excitement, I think, is very justified about this class. We have Hakeem Butler, and a number of analysts think he could be the best player in this class, including some of our friends over at Rotor World. He went number three in our recent rookie mock ahead of Metcalf. So that one started out with Harry Brown and Hakeem Butler. Uh, Looking at his resume there, his comps, anything jump out to you? Would you be taking Butler uh, in that two, three, four range? I think there's a, a valid a valid argument from I, I certainly would be taking him at number four uh, based on the rankings obviously that you went through Marquise Brown is actually at number four and I, I certainly would be taking Butler ahead of him in terms of um, his you know profile six foot six in terms of 225 pounds for his weight you know I, I like that that big body wide receiver uh, in terms of Marquise Brown who I mentioned at 5'10 168 uh, pounds I would have concerns obviously you know for somebody of that size and holding up in terms of the nfl uh, long term but i think that um like you mentioned with butler he's somebody i'd be comfortable taking at least at four um, if not going higher but i do think um it's hard it is it is hard even with what we discussed in the last quarter talking about um you know dk metcalf i don't i would find it very hard to push him out of my my top three in terms of you know if you're if you're if you have that first choice of the wide receivers i would take aj brown i think um over them and uh, i would be looking then to take butler in that range but it'll be hard i think to, to push him into the top three would you would you be confident of pushing him all the way up into you know that that second or third spot i, I just think it might be a little too high i do see all all the positives there but the, I, I would be taking Brown and Harry ahead of him. Fuller is tricky because he didn't have exactly the career arc that you would want, but his last season was fantastic. It's it's hard for me because I was an Alan Lazard fan, and he was the alpha receiver there at Iowa State until he left. And then despite being a huge player himself and someone who came in you know as a top rated high school player so it's not like someone who came out of nowhere i mean this guy was a top recruit was awesome at iowa state did well at the combine and then nothing so you know you look at butler within that context but then you look at this last season right where he goes over 1300 yards averaging 22 yards per reception accounted for 42% of the passing yards, 45% of the touchdowns. And he goes to the combine. He runs the 4-4-8 with that huge size that you mentioned. So, uh, you know, if you're looking for someone who has this size, speed, uh, overall athleticism package, who's actually coming off of a huge season, then Butler is probably the guy to be looking toward instead of Metcalf. The other thing I found was interesting when we looked through it was uh, Paris Campbell. Uh, he's he's coming off at the moment at number nine, you know, in terms of uh, where they are average in terms of uh, scouting ranks. But you know, if you look at his combine, four point three one in terms of his forty yard dash. But you know, he's kind of similar to players like Percy Harvin. Dave alludes to in this, but I, I like players who have versatility, and we've seen it with. I know we talked about Antonio Brown at the start of the show. We've seen him his ability to be able to return kicks. We've seen with Percy Harvin his ability to be able to return kicks and do that in college, and then take it into the NFL. We've seen it with guys even like Odell Beckham, and I, I do think uh, you know somebody as well like Tyler Lockett. Players who have that athletic profile who are able to 
uh, do numerous jobs and have versatility. I think that obviously leads into fantasy production as well. Uh, when obviously if he becomes a, a wide receiver, he's uh, the main target on the offense. I don't want to see him back returning kicks on every occasion, but having that versatility and having that athletic profile it shows what they can do then with the ball in their hands, for example. And I think it has uh, shown over the years that players who are you know in that kind of role accepting kicks and uh, returning kicks i think it, it does lead to um advantageous situations at the wide receiver and running back positions is that something that you dig into effect sean when you're looking at somebody like a paris campbell in terms of his versatility along with that speed definitely that's one of the things that john moore uh, pointed out you know sort of at the inception of rotoviz that those things do make a big difference they do project positively to the nfl with his athletic ability, even though his overall arc in terms of production in college was not what you would expect of a successful NFL player, I just I think Campbell has the potential to be one of those guys who goes even much earlier than people are expecting. You know, could sneak in to that group uh, that's you know in that first round range. Now, probably won't be drafted in the first round himself, but I think he's going to go ahead. Right? You mentioned that he's ranked number nine. He's going to go ahead of some of the players currently taken ahead of him. The other person Dave pulls out is Andy Isabella, number 11, and mentioned his 4-3-1 speed. And unlike Campbell, Isabella has quite a bit of production going for him. And he even impressed when, when playing some of these Power 5 defenses, averaging over 7 catches and 117 yards when he matched up with them. He's kind of the end of the group that I'm targeting before I would wait a while to get sleepers. Is he one of your targets? Do you have anyone else in that range that you're also looking at? No, I think like you mentioned, he's kind of the cutoff point in terms of my rookie drafts. And we'll see, as I mentioned again, at this stage, I'm, I'm thinking dynasty. Uh, when it gets a little bit closer to the season, we know the landing spots. We can look at where we'd be taken in terms of uh, redraft. But at the moment, that's kind of the cutoff where I want to get get those uh, guys. You know, looking at him, looking at Paris Campbell, uh, they they're the kind of final two that I want to have in those uh, kind of spots. Uh, Riley Ridley possibly but I, would, I think I would be taking Isabella just a, above that so they're, they're kind of my top 10 in terms of the order that they're in the article but I'd probably be swapping uh, 11 with Isabella for for Ridley uh, at number 10 and I, I kind of think that that's my kind of targets this year in terms of where where we're going i think it's gonna be very interesting to see where they do go in the draft though because there's there's quite a few of these that i could see being you know second round picks you know but then again some of them eventually are going to fall it's gonna be hard to to project to have 10 wide receivers go in the first two rounds but i think you know with within the first three rounds i think that those top 10 top 11 players will will go off the board do you think you know are you seeing them in that kind of range do you think we could see some of them fall further than that in terms of the actual NFL draft? I, it, it's always difficult for me because there are a few players in here who don't have the production that you're really looking for and were not particularly impressive at the combine. So I would expect those players to fall. But, you know, occasionally the scouts have something or the offense that they played in had something that really did uh, make it more difficult for them to show what they can really do. So some of these other guys on the list, if they're drafted in the right position, certainly you could see that if the opportunity is there and you know, the scouts have it right in terms of, of what they bring to the table, then they might outperform. But certainly there is this very good 
deep group that goes 10, 11 guys. And then I have a sleeper article just coming out today with a couple of my favorite late uh, wide receiver picks. So we'll probably get to that on the next episode. And that is what you call a tease in the business. <laughs> so uh, with Sean teasing his next article, obviously you'll be able to get it up on the site pretty shortly, but we'll be talking a little bit about it, about it on the next edition uh, of the show. But before we finish up today's edition, we have one more player who I teased at the start of the show. So let's get straight to him. So Sean, the last player that we're going to touch on here, um, and it's a player who we, we've talked about a couple of times, but not actually over the last couple of months. We were kind of talking about him last season, early in the season, as the season went on, he had his kind of issues in terms of production. Uh, and this is one that Neil Dutton has uh, talked about on the website uh, recently. And um, obviously the player here that we're hitting on is Robbie Anderson of the New York Jets. Uh, he's a player who, if I'm not mistaken, I think you mentioned on the show at one stage last year, had the upside of potentially being a wide receiver one, you know, so a top 12 wide receiver in the NFL. And he's a player who I've really liked over the last two or three years. Obviously, coming into the league wasn't a huge amount expected in terms of what people were doing from a draft perspective, but he is somebody who has consistently developed and then had a number of big games. Uh, I believe uh, was when Josh McCown was the, the quarterback and, and led to some productive days. But Anderson does show that ability to win one-on-one on the outside. He does show the ability after the catch from time to time and you know he has had those flashes obviously the the development has to happen with Darnold can that happen uh in in 2019 there was some very positive signs towards the end of uh of 2018 when people had kind of tossed in the towel on him and then he had a couple of big big games down the stretch what's your thoughts on Robbie Anderson heading into 2019 and could he be one of those guys who might be sliding under the radar at the minute but uh, could turn out to be a potential league winner at the wide receiver position well, Anderson has the potential to be the best vertical receiver in the NFL. But the interesting thing here that Neil talks a lot about in the article is that uh, he doesn't want to just be that vertical receiver. And he was not happy with last year's offense and their offensive coordinator in particular, making him run almost exclusively these go patterns. So he's excited for the new offense, thinks that he's going to be able to do a lot more different types of routes, be much more involved, get more volume, have plays underneath, you know, get the ball in his hands and run with it. And when you look at his early career NFL production, uh, it, it seems like the sky's the limit. And certainly he appears to be undervalued in fantasy drafts. So the thesis that, that Neil sort of lines out for us and i certainly buy into 100 percent is that you're going to have a more creative offense you're going to have the development of sam darnold and we can see that already a little bit with the fast finish now anderson the first seven games of last year just 9.4 fantasy points the the last seven had 13.6 right so he's really making that jump but it becomes even a lot more uh, impressive when we look at it within the context of Darnold, right? So Darnold had the very slow start, you know, dealt with some injury things, comes back from weeks 14 to 17, his fantasy points per game jumped from the 15 point range to the 20 point range. At that same time period, Anderson's jump from 8.6 to 18.7. And so if you're a Darnold believer, and we've seen a number of these guys, you know, players like Andrew Luck, for example, really explode in that second year. We've seen people who were not particularly successful as rookies like Carson Wentz and Jared Goff really take that big step forward. Darnold's flying under the radar because there's so much attention 
and justifiably so on Baker Mayfield. But Darnold also has a real chance to be a star and to be a fantasy weapon. And I think as soon as next year, when you look at how he came on down the stretch, within the context of making that next step and you know hearing Anderson talk about his excitement for the offense, um, certainly we both agree that he's undervalued. Does he start to move into the range where uh, he's one of these guys you have on every team? Before you answer that, I have to say that uh, Anderson is, is one of the guys I do own on almost every team. I lost him uh, recently in my kitchen sinko league, the kitchen sink that, that Ryan McDowell runs when I traded him to our managing editor and obviously fellow podcaster on road of his radio, uh, Blair Andrews and had to, to make that move uh, in order to, to balance out the, the roster with Rob Gronkowski uh, retiring, but certainly hard to, to lose Anderson to anyone uh, if it had to be to uh, someone good. That it was Blair, obviously Blair uh, shares our feelings as well willing to to pay for him is he someone that even in that situation you would be loath to trade do you have him on pretty much all your rosters right now yeah i'm kind of in the same boat as you uh sean in terms of i have him on the majority of my roster sometimes uh over the last two years just to diversify i have moved him on a couple of spots in some places then i've acquired him back in those spots so probably about 75 percent of my rosters I, I do have now when you look at what he did i have to say over the last i would say maybe five years he's probably my favorite free agent pickup that i picked up at any stage because he was literally free when i took him off the waiver wire a couple of seasons ago and obviously that's really uh, developed into something that's uh, of, a, of a significant value but even in terms of value i, I don't think he's appreciated uh and dynasty in terms of what what we can expect moving forward you know he has three years in the nfl um his first year as a rookie 78 reception or sorry 42 receptions uh, for over 500 yards and he had two touchdowns but what has impressed me over the last two years is the development in terms of uh, the touchdowns and the 100 yard games that he has he, over the last two seasons uh, he has five 100 yard games he has uh, 13 touchdowns and last year uh, he pretty much was on pace to match what he did in 2017 in his breakout year, uh, except he missed two games through injury in 2018, so finishing the season with 50 receptions. I think there's a huge amount of growth that he could have. I think we could see him finish the year potentially with uh, maybe maybe that 65 to 75 receptions for the season and come close to 1,000 yards in terms of receiving. The other thing that's impressed me is the consistency in terms of his yards per catch. And I know you mentioned that a lot of them are on go routes and he doesn't really like that. But, you know, he's had 14 in his rookie year, then he had 14.9, now he has 15 yards um, last season. So there there is the potential there. And obviously if he can uh, have some of those shorter targets along with the deeper targets and something you didn't, didn't touch on when you mentioned Darnell is the fact that Le'Veon Bell is now in that backfield and obviously that's going to change things up depending on how Bell is running to start the year, how things open up for them wide receivers. And then of course, how the wide receivers are doing, how things vice versa go for Bell and a similar situation like we've seen with Amari Cooper when he went to Dallas and the situation with Zeke Elliott opening things up for him rather than how things were in Oakland. So I'm very excited to see what he can do this year. I do think his his draft position is, is likely going to be one of those that as we get closer to the season, that's going to climb and climb. And I think we'll probably see him step up probably around to a round and a half in terms of his ADP over the coming kind of four to five months. But he, he's definitely somebody who uh, I'm, I'm happy to have on, on all my rosters. And like you mentioned, the potential is there. You know, the Jets aren't always the, the flashiest team in terms of owning their dynasty or uh, 
their their skill position players but i do think with him with bell and potentially with the growth of darnold uh, i definitely think uh, robbie anderson's a, a value heading into 29 yeah and, and neil really gives you the full the full argument there the stats that we that we brought out in terms of the splits come right from him in the game splits app on rotaviz uh oh, I, I definitely think we, we ran out the time ran out the clock and overtime there today so hopefully uh one of us had the had the field goal at the end to win it didn't finish uh, with the with the pure tie there but had had a lot of fun on today's show and and hopefully the the listeners as well and, and again you know the reminder for those ffpc drafts that if you're getting into those drafts we have the tools for you to to really not just participate in them but, but to win those leagues I just want to let you know just before we wrap up the show as well um as a loyal podcast listener you can get 30 percent off the road of his nfl pass and obviously sean's mentioning the tools you do get exclusive access to all those tools all the content that we have up on the site and you can do that at rotavis.com forward slash podcast of course we are getting close to the draft and after the draft we get all the draft season in terms of fantasy football so do not miss out on anything get on over now to rotavis.com forward slash podcast save yourself 30 percent and, and grab yourself a real bargain and with that, it's going to do it for today's edition of the show. As always, uh, my name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. My co-host is Sean Siegel, who you can follow on Twitter at FF underscore Contrarian. And until we're back with another one, have a good one. Thank you for listening to Overtime on Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the podcast by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 30% discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. This episode is brought to you by Decoy Wines of Sonoma, California. As you gather with family and friends this summer, experience the best of wine country with Decoy by Duckhorn. Winemaker Tyson Wolf spends every vintage focused on harvesting grapes and crafting wines from the finest vineyards. Whether it's our flagship Cabernet or crisp and refreshing Rosé, Decoy has just the wine for your discerning taste. Ask for us at your local wine shop or visit decoywines.com slash celebrate to locate our wines near you. Whether you're firing up the grill, hosting an alfresco get-together, or enjoying the warm summer nights, let Decoy by Duckhorn elevate your occasion. It's the sale you've been waiting for. Now through Monday, get a huge 50% off the styles you need now with 50% off all jeans, 50% off all dresses, and 50% off all tees. That's right, 50% off. Jeans start at 15 bucks for adults, 10 bucks for kids. Want fashion in a flash? Buy online and pick up in-store for free. Hurry, the sale ends Monday at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 829 to 9-2 excludes in-store clearance, jumpsuits, rompers, bubbles, active license, and men's package tees. Now is the chance to use reliable energy to grow your money with the Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. Our new investment product offers competitive returns, no maintenance fees, and flexible online access to your money. Make the reliable investment in reliable energy. The Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. To find out more, go online to reliabilityinvestment.com. That's reliabilityinvestment.com. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. 
From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.